Go with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, and let's continue in what we have begun some weeks back. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, and the 11th verse, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some Pastors and teachers. For. Now here's why he gave these ministry gifts. For the perfecting of the saints. The what of the saints? Now we found out that that word means what? Perfect. What does it mean? To be perfected. Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean flawless. We use it that way in our modern vernacular, but look up the words. That's not what he's talking about. When we think perfect, we think without fault, without defect, flawless. That's not what this word means in the scripture here. It means brought to its end. It means, and this is a good word, complete. Complete. Another way of saying it is lacking nothing necessary To completeness. Now we see if you read the rest of the passage. That he's talking about growing up. And you know in the natural. A child is born. And everything's normal and proper. They begin to grow. But there's a place where they have reached. The completion of their physical development. And that's the kind of thing he's talking about. You reach the end of your development. Keep reading. That's why God gave us these ministry gifts for the completion, for the perfecting, you could use the word maturing, of the saints for the work of the ministry. The more the saints are perfected and matured, the more and better of the work of the ministry they're able to do. This is one of the biggest misconceptions in the church and in ministry is that the fivefold ministry gifts are supposed to do all the work of the ministry. And the people are to come and sit. That's such, how can I say it? I, the Lord stirred me up. If you remember, who was here when the church first started? Huh? I don't know if you remember or not, but I spoke on this. And I was so strong on it one Sunday, had to come back and apologize a little bit about it the next. And the reason I was is because the Lord was stirring me so much, and now I see why. It's because we're dealing with centuries of wrong mentality. And we've got churches by the thousands and thousands of where their little preacher is somebody that they hired. He or she's a hireling. And they change them. Every few months, a year or two, just for good measure to keep things fresh. And they hire them to do their visitation for them and their counseling for them and their praying for them and have no concept of the real church of God. The pastors are not supposed to do all the visitation. They're not supposed to do most of the visitation. Are you listening? The pastors are not supposed to do most of the counseling. What are they supposed to do? Remember what the minister said in the beginning days? They said it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and wait the tables. We are to give ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Is that still true today? Or has God changed it? Is there a better idea? Hmm? 
Well, most of the people believe that ministers are supposed to spend most of their time counseling and visitation. Y'all are too quiet. <laughs> right? Counts. And I know of guys that are killing themselves. Killing themselves. And they're not ready. They're not anointed like they should be when they stand in the pulpit because they stayed all night in the hospital for the 20th time. Did you hear me? Well, Brother Keith, I'm trying to help the people. The Lord didn't tell you to do that. You got scores or hundreds or thousands of people in your church that are doing nothing. Nothing. And are going to stand before the Lord in a few days. And give an account of what they did in the body. And get no reward. Did you hear me now? God gave the ministry gifts to do what? To help the saints grow up and develop so they could do the work of the ministry. So they could build up the whole body of Christ. So we could have ministry going in thousands of directions at once. Instead of a handful of people trying to do a job that's so big they could never touch it. Oh, can you hear this, friend? Do you see this? The reason I feel the way I do about it is because I know what's going on in other churches. I see it on a weekly basis. The job's not getting done. And the ministers are being overworked. And then they're not doing their job. We're supposed to lead. We're supposed to have vision. We're supposed to hear from God. We're supposed to have revelation. You can't run night and day and be anointed like you should be. You can't. You can't stay up all night and let somebody tell you all their stories for four and five hours. And have strength and anointing and clarity of vision. No, no. The saints are not just supposed to come and sit on the pew. They're supposed to be perfected. Grown up. Faith. Know how to be led by the Spirit. Are serving God by helping people. All over their world. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, I wish we were a little bit happier about that, but I'll, I'll keep on it until we, till we get there. Hallelujah. Why'd God give us the ministry gifts? For what? For counseling and visitation. Hmm? Counseling and visitation. Everybody knows that's what pastors do. Counseling and visitation. Well, Jesus has another idea. Would you care to hear about that? He said they're given for what? For the perfecting, the maturing, the completing of the saints. Could we be developed some more? Huh? Could you today? Is something supposed to happen in here this morning that helps you to grow beyond where you are right now? Huh? Then we ought to be excited about it every time we come to church. We ministry should be believing. The people should be believing. What? We're getting revelation. We're getting a supply of the Spirit. We're getting something that's going to help us come up and be more mature, more developed, stronger. We're growing up. And every service, we walk out a little taller. 
Every service after we get home, we ought to be like little kids. Go back up to the wall, you know, where they've been measuring them, how high they are, and go, hey, check me now, check me. Check me, I think I'm taller. And spiritually, you should be. He said, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a what? What does that mean? Complete. One who has come, you know, lacking nothing for completeness that is brought to the ultimate end. You might say your full potential. Full development. To a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How would you know that you've reached the fullness, the completion? What are we measuring ourselves by? Jesus, the Christ. He is the perfect example of a mature one, a complete one. And don't think you can't be like him. You're commanded to be like him. The Bible said the servant, you know, is not above his master, but everyone that is perfected, completed, will be as his master. Can you operate like Him? Can you think like Him? Can you pray like Him? Can you be led like Him? Can you have faith like Him? Most of the church does not believe that. Hmm? They don't. They go, well, Brother Keith, (laughs) that's Jesus. And I mean, He's perfect. What does perfect mean? Why did God give us the ministry gifts? So we could be perfect. Flawless? No. No. Complete. Mature. Fully developed. Until we come to the full measure of the full stature and development of the anointed one. Do you believe that can happen for you? For all of us? We believe it. He said that we henceforth be no more children. So it's obvious he's talking about growing up. No more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. One of the most tormenting things in this life is not knowing. Have you seen it? Not knowing. Well, is that right or is it not right? Is that the way to go or is it not? Is this the Lord's way or what? Do I do it? Do it? That's one of the most tormenting. Vexing things in this life. It's a sign that people are spiritual children. Do you see this? It's a sign. Why? Because they're tossed to and fro. Here and yon. They believe this today. Next week believe something else. And they're carried about with every... Whichever way the wind is blowing. Whichever new thing. Whichever hot new doctrine... Is going. Don't have to have scripture for it. Just go wow. This is what's hot right now. And. Carried about. Men that are. Trying to manipulate. And try to deceive. And just trying to make money off of you. And trying to do every other thing. Children are easily duped. Don't you want to grow up. So that you're not easily duped. 
Don't you want to grow up so that you're not wondering all the time, is this right? Is this the way? Is this God? Is this me? No, you know. You're sure. You have a knowing. Glory to God. Grow up, he said. Verse 15, now here it is. But, be no longer children, no more children, verse 15. But, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Can we grow up in all, now if you look this up, this means all areas. In all things means in every area. Can you grow up in every area? Emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Can you grow up intellectually, being led by the Spirit, in love, in peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit, in understanding, in wisdom? Can you grow up in Him spiritually, in all things? Now, I don't know that we've realized what He just gave us here, but He gave us how to do it. Did you see it? Of all the things that he could have said, he mentions two things that apparently are the two most important areas and keys to growing up. What are they? How are we going to grow up? Say it out loud. Read it out loud. How are we going to grow up? Speaking the truth in love may grow up. How can you grow up every day? Now you'll find when he says speaking, speaking is attached to your spirit. And when you speak something that you believe, it's a lot more than just talk. It affects every part of your life and your doing. Say it out loud, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. In all things, speaking the truth in love. Go with me to 1 Peter 2, please. 1 Peter 2. Without going any further, do you know how to grow up? How do you grow up? Now, there's a lot that we have yet to learn about that and what that means and how it's applied. But are you excited today? That you know how to grow up. What I can do to initiate and perpetuate growth. What can you do? Speak the truth in love. Somebody say truth. Love. Truth and love. Say it again. Close your eyes. Truth and love. One more time. Truth and love. And love, if you're going to grow up, you have to be involved in these every day. Truth and love. What's the opposite of truth? Lies. Lies. What's the opposite of love? Hate, selfishness, really might be a better word, and that hate is about selfishness. First Peter, are you there? The second chapter, talking about Jesus. 
Is he the standard by which all true spiritual growth should be measured? Is he? Is he the perfect example of the perfect spiritual man, which means the complete one, the fully developed one? He is. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2 and uh, 21. Even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Should we endeavor, you know, I had a person tell me one time, well, you just try and act just like Jesus. <laughs> they said it with disdain. We try and act just like Jesus. I said, I thought that was the idea. Is it? Is it the idea? When you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple of the Christ, what does that mean? I'm endeavoring to be just like him, to think like him, and talk like him, act like him, and respond like him. He's my master. He's my hero. When I grow up. Not I want to be. When I grow up, I will be. Just like him. We're like him now. Just not as fully developed. You see some little baby's born. He's two days old. Somebody says, he looks just like his daddy. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes and no. Right? You can see the characteristics, but uh, he doesn't look just like his daddy, and he won't until he gets to about that age. Do you understand that? So we are made like the master in an immature form. But we can grow up. I said we can grow up until we are just like him. Just like him. Now notice this. We are, he left us an example that we should follow his steps. Now notice this, verse 22. Here's the two things that it mentioned about his example. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Is he our example? Listen, it said, let me give you some other translations. It said, Jesus, he was guilty of no sin, neither was deceit ever found on his lips. The New Living says, he never sinned, and he never deceived anyone. The English says, he committed no sin, and no one ever heard a lie Come from his lips. He never told a lie. He never deceived anybody. This is obviously one of the chief characteristics of a mature one. A complete one in God. Speaking the what? The truth. Speaking the truth in love. We were right there in Ephesians. Turn back to the fourth chapter again. And why don't you find Proverbs 6 while you're turning. Let's get two places. Ephesians 4 where we just were. And then we're headed back to Proverbs 6. Here he had said speaking the truth in love. 
may grow up into him. Look down in verse uh, 22. Verse 21, excuse me. Ah, verse 20. Have to watch back it up. It's all good. You'll wind up in Genesis. It's, it's good. <laughs> Ephesians 4.20 says, But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. He is truth, isn't he? He is the way. The truth and the life and the light. He said that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the what? Deceitful. That's the opposite of truth. Lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true, true Holiness, actually uh, the margin says holiness of truth. Did you see that? Holiness of truth. Verse 25, wherefore putting away what? Can you see an emphasis here? He's talking about growing up. This is the same chapter that we just read, verse 15. And we read verse 11 about why he gave the ministry gifts. And he's flowing into this and he said, if you've learned Christ... You didn't learn this lasciviousness and uncleanness and greediness and all that stuff. He said, no, the truth is in Jesus. And we must then put off concerning the former lifestyle, the old man. Be re- that's the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which after God is created in rightness and holiness of truth. So, next verse... Put away lying. Do you see the emphasis here? Put away lying and speak every man truth with his neighbor for we're members one of another. Say it out loud. Put away lying lying. and speak truth. truth. Can you see? Well, how should I say this? When you talk about lying. Nearly everybody in church nods and goes, oh, that's bad. Tell the truth. Amen. <laughs> but you probably wouldn't like to know how many lies are told in the church foyer or in the church parking lot or how many lies are told at restaurants for people eating after the service. Lying is a deal. It is a big, big issue. And when somebody deceives in any degree, what do you know? Among other things, they are not uh, one growing up in the Lord. How do you grow up in the Lord? You speak the truth in love. Now let me just give you a little quick example of this. Who are you holding your place? Proverbs? Good, you're ready. Let me tell you how to break yourself from telling lies. Now, just look straight ahead this morning. And if something's getting close to home, don't let on that it is. Just smile and go, amen, Brother Keith, tell them. 
And then later, if you need to, you go home, you fall across the bed, you go, oh, God, oh, God. I repent. But nobody needs to see all that right here this morning. We don't need to see and know all that. Just look straight ahead, smile, go, hey, amen, Brother King. Somebody needs to hear this. <laughs> People grow up being taught to lie. Their parents lie to save their skin, to avoid problems at work. And something comes up and you know, they believe in telling the truth, basically. As long, but you know, if it costs you money or to avoid pressure and problems, it's okay sometimes to tell a little, a little white lie. What is a white lie? Did the Lord, have you ever found in any portion of the scripture where the Lord gave us an alternative to telling the truth under any set of circumstances where sometimes people just can't handle the truth? And really, it's more love to lie to them. Then why do millions of Christians practice this? They are immature. They are undeveloped. They are not like the master. Because nobody ever heard him tell a lie. He never told anything false or deceptive. I know this is a strong statement, but there is nothing more satanic and devilish than lying. I'm going to prove it to you as we go. There's nothing more characteristic of the devil himself than a lie. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) The problem is we have generations of failure in this area. And it's passed down from one generation to the next. you got a little kid. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You go in there, and the little one, the cookie jar is crooked, and there are crumbs on the counter, and there's chocolate on little Johnny's face. And you go, Johnny, you been in the cookie jar? And he goes, hmm. And people laugh. He's so cute. It ain't time to laugh. This is serious. This is heaven and hell, God and devil serious. You won't think it's so funny when they lie to you when they're 16 about where they were last night. And that's where it starts. Listen, parents. When you know you're... Now, don't just be suspicious and don't go off half-cocked. Don't accuse your kids of stuff you don't know. Nobody likes to be treated that way. But when you know your child has lied to you, make it a big deal. Everything in the house stops. Everything stops. My dad's in heaven. My natural dad. And he and I were very close growing up. I thank God for it. He was my example of being a man. He taught me how to work on cars and how to you know, get rubber in second gear. 
how to ride a motorcycle and taught me how to fight and taught me how to play the piano and how to play the guitar and how to be a man. So many things I won't go into. But thank, he didn't know that much about the word when I was growing up. But thank God he had some influence. And this one thing he got, that a man is only as good as his word. And he was big on that. I came in one night and had been, had, you know, drunk some alcohol. How, how old was I? I must have been 15 or 16. And he had given me a lot of privileges. I mean, I, we weren't wealthy, but I had one of the happeningest sports cars around. And he'd given me liberty and freedom because he told me, he said, if you'll keep your grades up, if you'll do the work here at the house, I'll let you do some things that you want to do. I'll give you privileges. I'll help you as much as I can. And he did. He kept his part of it. I came in. He knew it when I walked in the door. He had me sit down. He said, boy, <laughs> I can see him right now. <laughs> boy, what you been doing? I'm caught. Had some beers. Yeah, he knew that. He said, you know how many kids die from drinking and driving? He said, I I can't trust you to leave the house here and drive this car and go out. And I don't know what you're going to be doing. And uh, we talked for a while. And finally he looked at me. He said, well, he said, if you'll give me your word. That this will not happen again. We'll just let this be it. I look, and I knew this was a serious thing. I, I looked at him. I said, okay. He said, so you give me your word that you won't do this again. I said, yes, sir. Okay, he said. And we went along for some time after that. And I was off with some guys one night. They're all drinking and carrying on, and I'm not. I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. Didn't have enough sense to realize I was with the wrong bunch. You keep feeling like you're not fitting in, you're not fitting in, you're not fitting in. I got to change. No, maybe there's something else going on here. You're in the wrong group. Instead of you trying to adapt to them, you need to find another group. Well... Make a long story short, I drank some. I come in that night. He smelled it on me when I walked in the door. He just looked at me. Didn't say a word. We went to bed. Man. Three days, he didn't speak to me. Why? This is a lot more serious than taking a drink. I was 16. I cried. I thought, oh God, what have I done, man? I mean, I couldn't even look at him. But I thank God for that. He didn't just look at me and go, oh boy, you know, we've all made mistakes. No, to this day, a man's word, a person's word means something to me. I'm glad that he, we got past it. It took some doing. And I was grounded and there was a lot of things happened after that. But, and it took me, I had to prove then myself. You understand? 
I had to prove myself over a period of time where he could trust me again. But friend, the world has gotten away from this, haven't they? you got parents will tell their children to go to school and lie. I'm talking about church going folks. Tape playing tongue talkers. Well, tell the kids, oh, well, just don't tell them. Just don't, you know, leave this impression. Well, deception is deception. You can play word games and mind games, but when you let somebody believe a lie and you do it on purpose, you are a deceiver. And it is being like a child of the devil. And God hates it. I'm quoting scripture. He Hates it. Go to Proverbs 6, please. Have I digressed? How are we going to grow up? How do we grow up? We speak what? The truth. In love. I don't know if I expressed that properly, but I, what I'm saying is I am so thankful to have had a daddy like that. That taught me the value of your word and your honesty and integrity. Thank God. Thank God. And your children ought to have parents just like that. Your kids ought to have an example. They ought never, ever, ever their whole life hear you tell a lie or deceive anybody about anything. Ever. Ever. People do it all the time. Is so and so there to go, are you here? No, they're not here. That's a lie. Yeah. You, don't, you don't tell lies about anything, anywhere. As Christians, as real people of God, we got two choices. Don't talk or tell the truth. Right? Don't talk or tell the truth. Sometimes you need to say, I ain't got nothing to say about that. I don't want to get into that. But if you say it, it is true to the best of your knowledge and understanding. Or else wise, you're acting like a child of the devil. Proverbs. Can you take some more of this? Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 16. 616, what does it say? These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. Then how far away from these seven things he's about to mention should we be? We should have nothing to do with these things. And I want you to see that they fall into these two categories. That we're studying about. How do we grow up? Truth. And what? Love. Notice this. What are these seven things the Lord hates? One, a proud look. I don't know if you know it or not, but pride and deception are hand in hand. The Bible said in Obadiah 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Pride is believing lies about yourself. A proud look and a what? A lying tongue. God hates it. And hands that shed innocent blood. Now, you couldn't do that if you love somebody. 
A heart that devises wicked imaginations and feet that be swift in running to mischief. You couldn't do that if you love people. Verse 19, a what? He says, it comes back to this, a false witness that speaks lies. God hates it. It's an abomination to him. And he that sows discord among the brethren. God hates it. How can I express it better? The world we live in is full of deception. Deception and lies are in the fabric of almost everything that you see and do. And it's much more in the church and much more in Christians' lives than they want to admit. They see people. And they are all smiles and hugs and bless you. And go right around and just talk so bad about them. And just take them apart. Deceivers. And leave an impression about something. Preachers. I've had preachers. I remember one night I was in a meeting and it was a great meeting. The Spirit of God moved. There was word of knowledge. There was word of wisdom. There was wonderful things happening. And right after I had to go and leave, and, and the pastor took me to the airport. And uh, as they were going, they reached over to hand me the envelope of the offering. They said, Brother Keith, I'm sorry, but the offering just wasn't very good. Well, I, just a few minutes ago, I was operating in the word of knowledge. Here it comes again. The Lord says, the offering was very good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> what did you think happened between when I got off the platform and when we got in the car here? But that wasn't the deal. I was like, man, I'd rather you slap me. I'd rather you just hit me in the nose. (laughs) Knock me down. And say, I'm mad at you. At least that's honest. But don't look me in the eye and lie to me. That's what the hater and the enemy of my soul does to me every day of my life is lie to me and try to get me to believe that a lie is true tries to deceive me I don't need it from my family from my fellow brothers and my fellow preachers let's talk tell me you need money let's talk about it don't don't deceive me because if you do what you just did why didn't you tell him I knew he wouldn't hear it I knew he'd just deny it There's nothing to talk about. So now there's a wall between us. I care about him. But he's tried to deceive me. He's tried to betray me. Like the devil does. I'll forgive him. But there's a block between our fellowship. Can you see this? Go to John 8 real quickly please. John 8. How do you grow up? How do you get out? Beyond this stuff. Speaking. The truth. In love. May grow up. May grow up. Into him. John 8. Oh thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. John 8. Verse. 31. Anybody know this scripture? John 8, 31, what does it say? If you, Jesus said to them that believed on him, if you continue 
in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And if you do that, then shall we know if we follow on to know. Can you see what's happening here? What if you're in the truth and you're in love? You're following him. You're becoming like him. You're a disciple of his. And you'll get more and more revelation of the truth. What's happening to you? You are growing up. You're growing out of that carnal, fleshly, unspiritual, ungodly, devilish stuff. And you're growing up to be more like Jesus every day of your life. You look like him. You sound like him. You talk to him. And one thing you'd never hear out of his mouth is a lie. And so you'd never hear that out of your mouth either. Because you're growing up just like him. Does this stir you up at all? He said, and you shall know the truth. What will happen? Growing up is becoming freer. We've already talked about that. I mean, one of the most tormenting things in life is not knowing. And being in the dark and being duped and deceived and carried about with every wind of doctrine and men's deceitfulness. Oh, but as you grow up in the truth and in love, you get freer and freer and freer. And you're not restricted and you're not bogged down with the stuff. You're growing up. You'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Say that out loud. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Skip down now to uh, later in the chapter here, verse 40. He said, now you seek to kill me. A man that what? Has told you the truth. Some of the most anger and biggest fits of rage that you will see out of people is when you tell them the truth. You ever seen it? Which shows what a bad state they're in. Because if their heart was right, they would love the truth. And they'd want the truth, no matter how it made them look or made them feel, they want the truth. But if somebody gets mad and upset about the truth is because they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the truth. They want to hold on to their lies. It's a bad place to be. He said, you want to kill me? A man has told you the truth, which I've heard of God. He said, Abraham didn't do this. You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. Do you know that's another way of saying you'd love the truth? He is the way. He is the truth. You'd love me. You'd love the truth I'm giving you. If God really were your father. I proceeded from and came from God. Neither came out from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand me? My speech. Because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. How many know that is the chief violation of love? You cannot murder somebody you love. In fact, love will die so you don't have to. 
Jesus displayed that. He's a murderer. That's the opposite of love. And he abode not what? Oh, can you see these two? Here they are again, aren't they? The absence of truth and love is the devil and his work. He said he's a murderer. He abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The Lord said this to me some weeks ago. I wasn't even thinking about this, but it just came up in me. He said, the devil, Keith, the devil invented lying. He invented it. I thought, really? He said, well, didn't I say he's the father of it? He fathered it. He invented, do you know why I said that earlier then? Lying is the very essence of the devil. It is the very essence of Satan and evil. You and I ought to be just like God. We ought to abhor it. We ought to hate lying. Now, love liars, but hate lying. Did you get this? Love the people, but it's all right. And in fact, you ought to agree with God and hate what he hates. He hates deception. He hates lies. Now, I know this is not the first time you have heard me talk about this. Have you? <laughs> and everybody around here knows, you know, no matter what happens, our staff, they're told it, they know it, they see it. Everybody around here knows there's something you don't do around here. You don't lie. If you run over the dog, if you burnt the house down, if you wrecked the car, you come and tell it. But you don't lie. We can deal with that. But you don't lie. Whatever you do, you don't lie. Is this just apply to a couple of people somewhere? Or is this a problem in the body? Is this a big problem? Is there a lot of lying going on? Oh, oh, all over the place. And you see, the result is that you've got people that were born again 40 years ago, and they're still a baby. They're undeveloped, they're immature, they're selfish and self-seeking, and they'll lie to save their own hide, and they'll lie to make their self good. In fact, the Psalms talks about people that prefer lying over telling the truth. They prefer it. They'll lie when there's no good reason for it. There's never good enough reason. But they just look at you and lie and don't even know why they did it. So they go, oh, man, oh, why did I say that, you know? And then they tell five more to try to make that one work. Right. You know how it works, right? I mean, and there's probably not a person in this building that has never told a lie. If you hadn't, good for you. But let's repent and let's get the grace of God. And let's make a, let's let this be a memorial here today and a stand here today that after this service today, never again will a lie come across my lips. So what if I say something and it's wrong? We call it an honest mistake. You thought it was so. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about deception. Deception. He said, Verse 45, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. We love Jesus.
And we love the truth. Can you say amen? amen. Say it out loud. I love the truth. I love the Lord. And I love the truth. Say it again. I love the truth. I love the Lord. I love the truth. Let me read some scriptures to you real quickly here in closing. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 119 and 29. And we'll do this while we read it. Psalm 119:29. He said, remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. Everybody pray that out loud. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law or your word graciously. Psalm 119, 163 says, I hate and abhor lying. Somebody said, well, I thought we weren't supposed to hate. We're not supposed to hate people. We are to hate sin. It's okay to hate poverty. It's fine to hate lying and deception. You're supposed to. Say it out loud. I hate hate and abhor abhor lying. lying. But God's word... Do I love? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. Blessed be the Lord. Now let me uh, give you what I started to tell you a moment ago, and then I think we'll be done for the day. At least done talking about it. (laughs) Then it's time to what? Do it. Do it. The real thing starts when you walk out the door here. How many would like to have no lying in the church foyer at Faith Life Church? Zero lies. Hmm? Zero lies in the parking lot. None. No lies. <laughs> Who did this? Who did that? You know, I've seen ministries where, you know, employees are tongue talkers and something happened, something was destroyed, something was messed up. Who did that? Everybody just stands around. <laughs> Who did it? What, what happened here? <laughs> and you start getting this. <laughs> well, so-and-so, they were, if they were to help me, and they didn't have, Is this childish? Is this being spiritually immature? Does it take maturity to be a man of God, a woman of God, stand up, look somebody in the eye, and take what comes? Huh? Pay what you have to pay. Do what you got to do. Does that take maturity? That's why I said earlier, this is how you break yourself from lying. If you've been in a habit of it, then you're going to have to work on yourself. But you're standing talking to somebody. And you know, a lot of lies are because of people trying to impress somebody. It's pride. See, the deception and pride goes hand in hand. Trying to impress, telling something that's, you stretched it, you embellished it. You trying to make yourself look better than what you really are. You know, people, boy, you know, so-called faith people, it's not faith. But so-called faith folks are some of the worst. Try to leave an impression that they're better off financially than they are. And you got people that won't even share and fellowship with each other because they don't want you to go to their house and see how they really live. Y'all are too quiet. We are where we are. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. But we're believing God to come up. 
But we're willing to operate where we are. I remember when Phyllis and I first got to Ramah, we didn't have money to get out of town on. And we just moved in this little bitty apartment in the rough part of town and had no, didn't even have money to eat on. And the folks next door to us had gone to Ramah, one of them had, and came by and said, hey, we got a fresh pot of beans and bread. Would you care for some? I never heard anything sound so good in my life, man. We've been moving all day, and I was hungry, and we didn't have any money. We went in there, and this little place, I mean, it's this big. I mean, you move, and you go, the kitchen's like this. You know, you can touch the walls. And, And little bitty and beans and bread, we had one of the best times. Sitting there, enjoying that. I know in the deep south where I grew up, you know, people would come over and bring all their 12 kids. A little house, two room, not two bedroom, two room house, some of them. Some of them three room with an outdoor bathroom. And, uh, you know, they'd say, you know, y'all stay for supper. Well, my granddaddy, he used to always say this. He said, well, uh, such as it is, you welcome to it. Peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> but just free with what they had. And then, you know, say, hey, y'all stay the night. Where? Where? (laughs) So you put three kids in the bed this way and two this way. And you put pallets all over the floors. In the summertime, you can sleep on the porch. Well, you know, some people have gotten deceptive in these times. And they won't even be hospitable because they're concerned somebody will find out how I really live and where I really live, and what I really have, then you've been trying to live a lie. People do it through credit cards. They try to act like I'm so prosperous, and they got everything charged to the max, and they're in terrible shape, but oh, they're prosperous. To get help, to come out, you got to be honest. You got to speak the truth, right? In love. And keep on talking the truth. And keep on talking the truth. And you'll come out like that. God can deal with that. Give me a sinner any day. That'll tell you he's a sinner. I know somebody I talked to just this week. I was so glad they called. They called. I had talked to them and led them to the Lord some years back. And they had gotten away. And I called and talked to them. They called. We talked. And, and they said they been, hadn't been living right. Hadn't been doing right. And... It might sound strange to you, but I was happy about that. Yeah. Why? Because they're not playing games. They're just going, here I am, and, and I want to get back to God. And You can work with that. Yes. You can work with that. Tell me somebody. I've been mean as the devil, and I've done everything you're big enough to do, and, but I won't change. Good. We got something we can work with here. But a phony, baloney Christian that quotes you five scriptures... While they're not responsible, you can't do anything with that. Playing games. So let me tell you how to deal with this. You tell somebody a lie. If you'll be honest, you know it in your heart. You know it. If you're in a habit of lying, you can have lied almost before you think about what's going on because you've done it so much. You've trained yourself. Your flesh is trained to go in that rut. But you stop. If you can, stop right there and go, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know that thing I just told you? Yeah. That's a lie. 
I don't care if you've already left and you're in your car. You get back home, you pick up the phone, you call them. You go, hey, you know, we were just talking about so and so. Yeah, yeah. You know that thing I said about such a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a lie. And I'm sorry. I repent. Now, don't add to it. You'll mess the whole deal up. You know what I'm talking about? Well, it, you know, it wasn't really, really just a lie, lie, because, you know, I mean, part of it was true, and you shouldn't even have called. You ain't repenting about anything. But why don't people do that? Pride, fear, immaturity. It takes strength, doesn't it, to do that? You've got to be one who's growing up. Who's developing that'll stand up like that and come look a person in the eye and say it. I'm sorry. I lied to you. That wasn't right. Forgive me. And then don't add anything to it. Don't make any excuses. Somebody said, well, if I say that, they may not think much of me. That's not true. They'll respect that. They'll know themselves that they've done things like that and didn't have the strength and maturity to do what you just did. Now, if you have to do it every week, they probably will lose some respect for you, which is why you got to quit. But this will break you. I said, this will break you. you. If you do this every time you tell a lie, you'll start to tell a lie and you'll go, oh, <laughs> I know I'll just have to come right back and tell them I don't want to do that. Uh-uh. So you won't do it. It'll break you. Can you say Amen. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.